hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. Feels good to say that. All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team all SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Shit, I forgot to record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you may have to piece that one together, Mike. Man, I'm I'm already on I'm on vacation, man. <laughs> you know what I'm I, I cracked open that cold one. I was like, damn it, I ain't recording. So uh, I'm sure you could piece that together, and make it sound all right. But I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Yeah, well, it sounds like you're in the holiday mood. I hope uh, a lot of the listeners you are as well. But uh, hey, we had to get on the line here, Shane, because we got us some epic football matches starting Thursday, mm-hmm. running through Saturday, one of the best weeks of the entire year. So, hey, I appreciate you hopping on the line, buddy, and just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple games. But before we get mm-hmm. to that, you know, we, we like to start with uh, some coaching rumors and all that if we can. <laughs> and the only concrete news we got, and I think this is good news at the end of the day, Shane. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, right before we hopped on the line, Oh, James Franklin up there at Penn State, they gave him a 10-year contract extension. So that means we don't don't got to worry about him coming back to the SEC. (laughs) He's not going to be the new LSU or Florida coach. No, he don't want to come down here, man. That's what you do. It's one of those, you you get that final shot in, you look good, and then you get out of town. You don't come back, you don't play the game anymore. He just took the ball and went home. That's what Franklin did. He don't want to come back down here to the real conference. So no. we'll we'll see him. We'll we'll do the rumor mill every year about them getting into the playoffs, and then finally <laughs> he'll drift off, and somebody will take his spot. But that's where Franklin's at. You got any other uh, any uh, banger news here? No, still sounding like Billy Napier to Florida sounds very likely. That's not a done deal, but they might be waiting to see. You know how far his team. I think they're in contention for that conference once again, but. Yeah, you gotta wonder, man, if uh, Florida Gators need themselves a coach before signing day here. 
Hell, they just landed a commit chain, and, he, and they don't even have a head coach. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of smoke out there that the, they've already got their guy, and they're just locking it in. So we'll see, but uh, nothing right now on LSU, although anticipate as soon as the season ends. Coach O came out here on, on Monday and was asked about coaching in the bowl game. He has already, you know, said that's going to happen. Now he's backing off of it. And I, I think that's just another clue, Shane, that LSU is about to turn around and hire a coach. And because, yeah. you know, you can't have Coach O lingering in the building when they got a new coach there. Uh, <laughs> just imagine the, uh, the the office dynamics there, kick, kicking Coach O down the hall or something <laughs> like that. You know what? That's right. That's awkward. It's like office space. You know, they put that guy down there in the basement with the staple, you know, that's Coach O. You got to keep him down there right now. No, I, I, I think that – I think the writing's on the wall there. Coach O wants to do all he can for LSU, but um, that makes me believe they've got somebody in play. Recruit, Like you said, recruiting is pivotal right now. So, uh, I would expect a name sooner than later. Yeah. And speaking of uh, coaches no longer in the SEC, Shane – We've got a short clip here. We gotta play this. This is Eli Drinkowitz asked about beating Dan Mullen, bringing out the lightsaber. This comes uh, from an interview here on 1010 XL out of Jacksonville, Florida. Old Eli, he holds nothing back on this one. <laughs> Eli, it's Matt Hayes. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. So, um, are, are you a believer in college football gods and the cosmic convergence of you know what happens in the universe? Because like it could not have played out any better what happened in that game, considering what uh, happened last year and then what happened this year. Yeah, you know, my father-in-law is a farmer, and, and there's the old saying, you reap what you sow. And so I actually, I mean, I believe that, uh, you know, just like everything else, that, yeah, I mean, if you sow kindness, you reap kindness. If you sow, you know, jackass ability, you get jackass ability. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. And so, uh, you know, I've done a, my fair share of, jabbing people and know that it'll come back to you so you know i think it's just kind of part of the game how about this shane if you sow jackass you reap jackass oh my goodness i mean that's a that's an all-time never right used there, that one did he <laughs> <laughs> i ain't never heard that one i heard reap what you sow but i'm not heard the tell end of that one so uh man this is eli classic eli this is somebody you, you're gonna get used to uh he is he is a Man, he is a bitter man sometimes. So, mm-hmm. I, and I roughly so. I ain't gonna lie. If if my opposing coach came out here and beat me and did and pulled some sort of stunt like that, you better damn believe I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket and I'm gonna air it out. Hopefully, the following season. So, I don't blame him. But man, Eli is kicking while he's down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dan is out. Man, there's no more pulsing. He's still he's still throwing haymakers. So, <laughs> yeah, this, I love it, man. This makes me wonder, Shane. Obviously, these coaches have a good time after a win. He probably cracked open a cold one or two uh, on Saturday night. It, now it makes me think he, mm-hmm. he may have cracked open another one here on Sunday when he heard the news that old Mullen got fired. Oh, man. I tell you, this the, the thing about this, Mike, that really gets me what I like is, um, you know, nobody ever really talks about Missouri and Florida. These guys play each other. They, I mean, the first year they were in the league, you got to remember who was in the SEC championship, you know. So, I mean, these guys hate each other already. But now, even if Dan's gone, man, stuff like this just makes this game that much sweeter next year, man, because mm-hmm. nobody was talking about Mizzou, Florida. They're all talking about it now. 
because of this, they're going to continue to talk about it the following year. These guys fighting. I mean, you got to think about it. It was a fight on the field last year. It was a fight at times a little chippy this game. This is becoming one of those games that, that's getting more and more exciting to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I didn't know it was such a rivalry till uh, they kicked Dan out, but uh, <laughs> makes me wish they kind of kept him around to, to see how far this, uh, this thing would have went. You know what? That's right. Them fans don't forget, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're saving every tweet right now. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, some hatred there, although Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach have been downplaying it, Shane, let's kick it over to our interview with my buddy Jake Wimberly, uh, the host of uh, the Afternoon Drive there, 105.9 on ESPN, FM in Jackson, Mississippi. Talk about uh, Dan Mullen and the Egg Bowl. So uh, let's kick it over to Jake Wimberly. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by my man, Jake Wimberly. Gotta give him a follow, at Jake Wim on the Twitter machine. And he is the host of the Afternoon Drive on ESPN 105.9 in Jackson, Mississippi. And of course, he's the owner of uh, the CFB Hourglass. So Jake, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate you on Egg Bowl Week here. Michael, always uh, great to visit with you, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun week of, you know, rivalry games, Egg Bowl, Iron Bowl, and you kind of go across the docket here. It's, it's going to be a fun week. Yeah, no doubt. This is right up there, man. This is one of my favorite weeks of the entire calendar. And it was, you know, before we get to the Egg Bowl, it was a couple of Egg Bowls ago where all this went down, where Mississippi State got upset by Ole Miss. And next thing you know, Dan Mullen turns right around and leaves Starkville for Gainesville. So, you know, I just wanted to wrap that all around and ask you, what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen getting fired? And are you surprised that, uh, you know, maybe not that he got fired. I think we all saw that coming. But are you surprised that, uh, you know, it, it fell apart so quickly for, for Dan Mullen? I really am surprised that it, that it happened so quickly. I mean, if you look back last year, I mean, we, we were sitting here, talking about Florida playing for the SEC title and, and mm-hmm. they played Alabama as close as anybody. And, and you thought, okay, you know, Mullen, you know, a couple years back to back now, New Year's six day bowl games. And then, you know, the whole shoe incident, everybody laughs about with the LSU game, but then, you know, the, the bowl game happened against Oklahoma. And then, you know, a lot of people that didn't set well with, and then of course the recruiting has not set well with people. And then of course, uh, you know, losing some of the games that they lost this year, and the way this whole thing, yes, I'm extremely surprised that it, it, it unraveled so quickly. But if you look back at just, you know some of his previous uh, predecessors there in Florida, uh, you know from Jim McElwain to uh, you know so, you know uh, Muschamp and others, it, it kind of unraveled on those guys. Very similar, very weird situation. What's gone on at Florida outside of Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer over the last 25 years? Well, speaking of uh, coaching there in the Egg Bowl, Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, two of the best coaches in college football. I believe uh, they lead the SEC, if I'm not mistaken, this season in coach effect. I want to ask you, because I know you follow this as closely as anybody, who do you think's done a better job this year, Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach? Man, that's a great question. And I think you have to look at it on several, you know, several different levels. Um, one, Lane Kiffin kind of did what a lot of people felt like he could do with his team. He was able to get the most out of Matt Corral, who has already mentioned that this will be his last regular season ball game he's headed off to the NFL and so you know you check the box there for Kiffin and he, you know that he's been able to score a ton of points and, and make this Ole Miss team one of the funnest teams in the country to watch week in and week out they win uh, you know on Thursday night and they'll have double digits for the first time in a long time in the regular season however if you look at Mike Leach 
and you look at some of the you know early season losses on the road at Memphis, lost the game against LSU that, that they very easily could have won. But then he rallied the troops and then gets a road win at Texas A&M versus Auburn and the way that they've looked. I, I don't want to play that guy, but I, I really have to kind of just say both guys have done an unbelievable job, and you got to kind of – if there was a 1A and a 1B, I don't know who it would be because both guys have done a wonderful job with their pro- both programs in state this year. Mm-hmm. Now, do you put any uh, credence to any of the smoke that's out there that uh, Lane Kiffin could be leaving Oxford for – you know, one of these big time jobs, or do you think it's just a case of, you know, this is the coaching carousel and we, we all kind of get swept up in all these, this rumor and speculation. Well, you know, it's interesting because you look at it, we know this is the, this is the time of year where agents make a ton of money Mm -hmm. uh, getting deals for coaches and and things of that nature. So agents are definitely working the, you know, the back channels as they always do. Lane Kiffin is a very interesting person. We know that. And, And a lot of people want to go all the way back to his time at Tennessee and the way he left Tennessee and, and to, to USC, but that's so long ago now. And, and, you know, you look at Lane Kiffin, not really any off-the-field problems. He's been able you know, did a great job under Nick Saban, a great job at FAU. He's done a great job at Ole Miss. And, you know, I, I think much like Dan Mullen when he was in Starkville, you've got to ask, what is his ceiling at Ole Miss? And then what does he want in, in the future? You know, I, I think Mullen wanted the bigger job. I think he aspired to, to win a national championship like all coaches do. Obviously, that didn't pan out for him. Lane Kiffin, I would have to say. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started his career in the NFL. Um, you know, he had a big coaching job at USC. I mean, he's he's been in some of these bigger, bigger markets and bigger jobs. He's got, uh, you know, uh, assets and family and people in the state of Florida. I definitely think it intrigues him. I, I, I don't know, though, if he is guy number one or if he's guy number two. And a lot of times, as you know, these coaching searches, it sometimes is guy two, three, or four that takes the job. Is it the right fit? So it will be interesting to see. I do think that he is probably a candidate on that list. I just don't know where he falls in the pecking order and what his interest is, um, you know, outside of Oxford and how long he really wants to stay in Oxford because, you know, both Starkville and Oxford um, are much different jobs than they've ever been in that, you know, the SEC money's there. You can pay coaches. You've got great facilities. Um, you know, you're in the heart of, of the, the best recruiting footprint in the country. So, you know, does he want to, to battle Alabama and the SEC West every year, or would he want to go to, over to Florida and then have to just tangle with Georgia and maybe, a, you know, up-and-coming Tennessee? It's, it's going to be really, really fun to see what Kiffin does and then what Florida does as well. Mm-hmm. Now, circling back to the Egg Bowl, we've got two of the best quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but the entire country in Matt Corral and Will Rogers. Can you ever recall two better quarterbacks going head-to-head in an Egg Bowl? Because the only ones that uh, come to my mind, Dak Prescott, Bo Wallace, but you know, I think even this is, is in a different class. What are, what's your thoughts on this head-to-head matchup? Yeah, I've been thinking about that matchup. We talked about this on our show, um, you know, end of last week, beginning of this week. You know, you go back into the 90s and Romero Miller at Ole Miss and, and Wayne Madkin, late 90s. Those two were pretty good quarterbacks coming through. They could finally throw the football, but not nearly in the class of these two. You referenced Bo Wallace and Dak Prescott. Um, you know, there was the Nick Fitzgeralds that came along. There was the Chad Kellys that played in this game. But I don't think that we've ever had an Egg Bowl where you've got two guys that obviously Matt Corral is going to be picked up and he's going to be, you know, in the NFL after this coming up spring. I think Will Rogers very similar on the same trajectory as, as a lot of Mike Leach's uh, quarterback, quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew, and, and several others that will have an opportunity to play. So, no, I, I can't think of a, of a year, regardless of decade, where you've had, you know, I mean, you, you go through and you had guys like John Bond that played in this game for Mississippi State, 
Uh, you had some others for Ole Miss. Obviously, Eli Manning played in this game, but never two guys on the same field at the same night. I, I think this is going to be fun. Now, everyone's going to be focused on these offenses, but these are two of the most underrated defenses in the entire SEC. Which unit do you think uh, has a better Egg Bowl performance? Again, another great question when you're talking about defensive performances. You know, for Mississippi State, they're going to have to stop the run. And, of course, you know, Matt Corral, who has done a really good job, you know, showing showcasing his, his ability to be a dual-threat quarterback, I think he'll probably amp that back up this week a little bit since this is the last game of the regular season. He's kind of taking the gas off some of that after the Tennessee performance uh, about a month ago just to keep himself healthy. I'm, I'm sure that came from him and the coaching staff, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and such. So Mississippi State's got their work cut out for them. Uh, Mississippi State has shown that they can, you know, get off the field. They're a bend-but-don't-break defense. They, they played pretty well against Texas A&M. After a quarter and a half, they played pretty well against Auburn. So, you know, I, I figure it may take Mississippi State a little time to kind of figure out what Ole Miss is doing. But for Ole Miss, the big question is, can they get pressure on Will Rogers? Because I think Mississippi State's wide receivers are some of the best that Ole Miss will have seen this year. And, you know, they've seen some good ones. But if they can't get pressure on Will Rogers, then that's going to make that's going to turn out to be a long night for that Ole Miss defense. And while Ole Miss, I think, will score points, I, I think the advantage defensively goes to Mississippi State maybe getting a stop or two, whereas if Ole Miss can't get pressure on Will Rogers, um, then, then that could be a, a big problem for Ole Miss defensively. And the Egg Bowl has been a series where home field has just played such a huge, huge advantage in years past. Uh, how big of a, a factor will that play, do you think, playing in Davis Wade Stadium? And I know you're a huge, huge fan of uh, the Don't Stop Believing. They're going to be blaring that. You know what? <laughs> yeah, I love the Don't Stop Believing. They'll definitely pump that into the uh, stadium several times on Thursday night. Uh, you know, I, the home field, I think, will be uh, play play a big big part in this. I mean, it, it has for, for a number of years. And you look at Matt Corral's performances, he, he's obviously had – uh, you know, some great home performances. The Tennessee performance on the road was really good. But outside of the Tennessee performance, he has played very average on the road. So, you know, you've got Mississippi State coming out, playing behind that crowd. If, if Ole Miss lets that crowd stay in the game uh, and stay in the game early, I, I definitely think it could be a factor. And, of course, the Cowbells late in the fourth quarter, because I do think it will be a fourth-quarter ball game, could definitely swing swing this game just a little bit. All right, last thing for you, Jake. I really appreciate all the time you've given me here. Do you have a winner? Who's winning the Egg Bowl this year? Yeah, you know, CFBHourglass.com, where we like to put out, you know, records and predictions like everybody else does, like you do, and you know, especially when we start getting into March and April. And, uh, you know, we want to start talking football way too early, which we, we love to do here in the South. <laughs> I had Mississippi State as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Um, I've still got Mississippi State around a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite at home this year, uh, even after the season, if we crunch a little numbers here. And I've got Mississippi State winning – a really close ball game, 38 to 35 uh, against Ole Miss. I think this is a game that's going to be played in the 30s. I think uh, you know now if, it, if it rains and we get a, you know get a wet field, then maybe that thing drops back down into the 20s. But I still like Mississippi State to come out on top, 38, 35. All right, he's Jake Wimberly, the number one radio host out of the state of Mississippi on the afternoon drive, ESPN 105.9. Give him a follow at Jake Wim, and don't forget to check out cfbhourglass.com. Thank you so much, Jake. I really appreciate it. Michael, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Shane. So I appreciate Jake hopping on the line, talking the big week, the big game there in mm -hmm. the state of Mississippi. I already previewed it on the last episode. You, you missed it. Go back and check that out. But 
wanted to ask you real quick your thoughts on this matchup, Shane. Ole Miss, Mississippi State in Starkville. Winner gets number two seed in the SEC West. And, hell, this is, uh, you know, a battle of, of arguably the two hottest quarterbacks here in the SEC, mm-hmm. maybe even the country. Although, all of a sudden, the SEC has got, I mean, Bryce Young, uh, K.J. Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. But uh, oh, yeah. Will Rogers, Matt Corral, there's probably not two better ones going head-to-head this weekend. You know what? Well, that's the thing, man. When's the last time you had two of these guys coming together with NFL quarterbacks? Because, let's face it, both these guys are going to be playing on Sunday one day. That's just – this. This both teams are, are riddled with talent. Mm-hmm. And I, what I like about it is it seems like Mississippi State, man, has picked up here the last few games, and they are on a tear. So, having that and a hot old Miss – I mean, Ole Miss is always going to be competitive. I just think this is turning out – you know, as much as we're pumping up the SEC championship, man, we should be pumping up this damn Egg Bowl because – you talk about a game, your coaches come out and they act like it's not a big deal. But, man, these players, these fans, they know exactly what this is about. This is a bittersweet rivalry that they're going to be throwing around names for the for the whole remainder of the year. So, hopefully no personal fouls. This doesn't come down to a ref or a guy pissing on a football. But, but then again, hopefully it does. You know? And, you know, of course, we can't forget the, the cowbells, man. It's down there in Starkville. Home field yeah. advantage. We didn't get it last year, obviously. That's a, a tough blow there for uh, the Ole Miss. They did win the game, though. So, But mm-hmm. now we're getting back to the hostile environment. You got to believe those home fans are going to be a major, major advantage in a game that already looks like a toss-up, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This is a pick man. All right, Shane. Well, hey, moving on. We got so many games to talk about here. How about Texas A&M at LSU? We thought this one would have a lot more on the line than it did, but hell, it's still a rivalry. These these two still hate each other. This <laughs> is looking like the final game for Coach O, uh, certainly in Baton Rouge, but maybe, you know, for for all we know, he may never coach another game here, particularly yeah. as a head coach in the SEC. LSU players coming out here saying they're going to win the game. They want to win it for Coach O, while Texas A&M, you know, just a little while ago, they were looking like the hottest team in the league, but uh, they fought, they fell way short there against Ole Miss. So, I don't know. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on this one? And, and for me, you know, I really think uh, – I hate to be a, this simplistic, Shane, but I think it comes down to LSU's offense, which has been inconsistent against Texas A&M's incredible defense. Uh, the Tigers have, have got to find a way to manufacture some offense if they've got any chance in this game. Well, the fact we have to struggle so hard to make storylines out of this game, Mike, that's my concern is, you know, at the start of the season, hell yeah, this is one of those games I had circled that, you know, maybe the winner of it's going to the SEC championship. Now it's like, you know, well, maybe they'll give all they got for Coach O is one last time. And, you know, I mean, what's Texas A&M playing for? They're they're coming off a, a horrible loss. So, I don't know. This is this is going to have to come down to the seniors of these teams. This is going to have to come down to the coaching staff. This is going to be more behind the scenes. We can't manufacture the rivalry here. We cannot manufacture the energy that's going to be needed to win against these teams. Let's face it, LSU's defense is fantastic these days. Uh, Texas A&M defense, you know, I think they're fantastic. I think it's, it has potential to be one of the ugliest games we see. But – it also has potential to be a damn good ball game. So this one here, Mike, I, I 
I don't even know the spread is. I, I know we're going to get to our, our picks later this week. This is one of those that I have no idea where it's going to go. So it could be a great game. It could be a bad game. But better, better believe I'm going to be watching it. What are the odds, Shane, that uh, after the game, you know, Jimbo Fisher just says, I go on back to College Station without me. I'm staying here in Baton Rouge. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's your storyline right there. Man, watch it. Coach O's watching him bring his stuff off the bus. You know? <laughs> yeah, at this point we know, at least you never say never, but certainly looks like it's not going to be Jimbo. But you got to imagine he's going to be pe- getting peppered with this one in the post-game interview. Oh, yeah. You know what? Absolutely, man. <laughs> Jimbo, if I remember correctly, when you first arrived here, you were asked about this rivalry, and you said it might not necessarily be a rivalry yet just because of the wins and losses have been so one-sided. So do you feel like what you guys have accomplished since you've gotten here has created a rivalry? Well, I can say whether well, it's a rivalry or whatever. They're important games because they're SEC West games. They're games. You know, all the West games, I call call them double whammies. I mean, those are guys, they're league games and they're inter- interdivisional games, you know, and they're all rivalries to me. But, you know, it, you, you're so close, proximity. And you battle your. We recruit Louisiana. They recruit Texas, like everybody does. But they're very close, and have always had great success here. So I think that kind of makes it that way. And and uh, this, and they're a great team. We're one, they're one of the teams we're going to have to contend with year in year out because they always have great players. And if I can follow up, if and when the SEC does do some realignment, would you like this to be an annual game that you play? I listen, and I'll answer that question when I see what they put out there. <laughs> I mean, I like playing a lot of the guys we already have. I mean, the tendency is because that's your habit of who you're playing and what you're doing and things that are happening. You know, you like the LSU, you want to play Alabama. I mean, those are great games, but you'll have to wait and see what the interdynamic structure is. But this is always a great game because of how, how good they are and hopefully how we're developing and the importance of this game. So it's always a great one to play, that's for sure. Jimbo, I mean, you spent six years in Baton Rouge. What do you remember about Tiger Stadium, especially night games there? Dynamic, atmosphere, uh, fun. It was fun to be on that same, to feel that environment, atmosphere. Of course, when we had good teams. So they, it was, like you say, it was wild. It was crazy. We were really good. <laughs> we were winning national championships. We were winning SEC championships. We were one of the top teams in the country. I think we won it. We finished top five, four or five years of the years I was there. Finished, you know, broke into, I think, think ten, maybe top ten, five or six of the years, I don't know, whatever it was. But, I mean, very electric, very fun, great people. I mean, and they love their Tigers. It's, it's, a, it's a heck of an atmosphere, man. It really is. It's a, it's a great place to play at your home and a tough one to play when you're on the road. And for two reasons. Again, not only the atmosphere there, but the players on the field. They have really good players. And then uh, uh, today, some of your players have expressed their excitement about you staying at A&M and continuing to build this program. You Has sure? That- <laughs> <laughs> That's before for practice. <laughs> I, 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 ask him after practice. You caught him at a good time right before practice, didn't you? you no. said, Has that created a stronger, more loyal connection between you and your well, players? Well, I think it is. It, 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 there's a trust. I mean, you have to trust. Listen, people always say, all right, the players, you got the player's career in your hands. Well, they got our career in their hands. It's a trust fact. This is a give and take. And, but you can understand, it's just like your parents. You love your parents, but somebody's got to be in charge of somebody that got to tell you what to do, how to do it. But also, after you get done chewing on their butt and getting on them and, or hugging, whatever it is on the field, telling them they're doing right, put your arm around them when they're walking off and say, this is why I did that. Understand this is the purpose of this. This is there's a bigger picture. And you have to – I'm coaching the guy you can be, not who you are. And you have to be pushed, prodded, and get an uncomfortable – you have to learn to be uncomfortable to be a great player. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, being pushed, being challenged, being constantly good enough is never good enough. And learning to master something and learning to drive your, your mind to a point where you never take a play off. And that, there's somebody there. That's, that's challenging, man. That's demanding, and that's hard. And I think from that standpoint of building that, that trust and love between each other, which is what I, I think it's about, 
it's doing that, but them also understanding everything you say is for their best interest. And then you tell them at the afterwards, you put your hammer around them, and they can still be mad, you know, and we can agree to disagree. But understand, it's not coming from a bad place. And I think that's where that trust comes from. Hopefully, they have it in me. I definitely have it in them, and we're developing each and every day. Coach, I know you said Saturday after the game that the main objective is beat AM this week. Afterwards, though, the players were saying, were very candid and said they're playing for you this week. They're practicing, preparing for you. Just what's your initial emotions, reactions to that? Well, I'm, I appreciate that. I love those boys. They know that. But I want them to play for them. I want them to win for the Tigers. And it's never been about me. I've, I've been in a great situation here the whole time. And I want them to win for themselves. This is about them. Um, I think Max has five games where he's thrown for 300 or more yards now uh, during his career, you know, across the past two years. How have you assessed his play? Maybe this past weekend when you look at a game like that where he may miss some, but overall you in, you look at the stat yeah. sheet and, and he's had a really big game. Yeah, I think he played really well. You know, we all want our quarterback to be perfect. We all want Joe Burrow back there. And uh, he wants to be perfect too, but nobody plays a perfect game. Uh, there's still some things to grow. He's still holding the ball way too long, but sometimes he's holding the ball, the guy's not open. You can't blame him. And then a couple of times they went zero blitz on us when he picked the guy up and gets sacked. So it's a combination of getting better on offense, a combination of calling better plays, and a combination of him getting rid of the ball quicker. Hey, Coach, I've had a lot of fans ask me, what are you going to do when you're done here? They can't see you doing anything but coaching. <laughs> What, what is your answer for them? They want to know. Tell them I'll be in good shape. I'm taking a year off for sure. I got some things I got to get done. I'm going to take a year off for sure, and I'm going to see what happens after them. It may be hard to sift through it all now, and maybe you'll do more reflecting, you know, once y'all are actually have played the games. But when you look back on your tenure, what are you going to remember most about being the coach at LSU? You know, the day-to-day -day basis, the excitement to come to work, seeing the players going out and recruiting, coming down the Tiger Walk, the 2019 season, the getting a big recruit, going out there and competing with all the coaches and all the players we've been through has been, has been phenomenal. Ed, does, just in, in a general sense, does the good outweigh the bad? Say, know, say the, again. Does the good outweigh the bad over these five years oh, for, you, for you? Oh, yeah. No question. I, I ain't had a bad day yet. I'm not going to have a bad day. I think I'm going to make it. <laughs> well, speaking of a game, man, I hate to even do this. But I, you know, I really hate the saying, throw the records out, so I'm not going to necessarily say that. But this Iron Bowl, Shane, was looking like it could be an all-timer. Uh, but uh, yeah. obviously Auburn's kind of torpedoed here the last couple of weeks, dropped three tough games. Now there's there even some fans wondering if, uh, if Brian Harson should be fired after one year. I certainly wouldn't go that far, but – we got mm -hmm. Alabama coming into Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's a very tough place to play. And, you know, the beauty of college football, Shane, one week we could hate the coach. He's garbage. Fire him. Send him back to Boise. He pulls off a stunning upset. There's going to be fans saying, you know, maybe we give this guy an extension. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, all this yeah. goodwill. And last time I checked, you know, I'm not trying to discredit Arkansas. I'm not trying to discredit Tennessee, LSU. But last time I checked, Shane, the last few SEC games Alabama played in, uh, I mean, they are, are barely getting by. So I'm not buying into the narrative that they're just going to go on the road and beat the hell out of Auburn. What do you think about that? Well, that's a good narrative, Mike, because <laughs> let's face it, these I mean, when these, these two teams play, typically it's a close game. Right. I mean, even like you said, you, you 
do you throw the records out and stuff like that. Is this game going to be played at a neutral field? No, sir. Hell no, it's not going to be played at a neutral field, Mike. And that's why you can't count the Auburn Tigers out because there's been some damn upsets pulled off in that stadium. As soon as you as soon as you count them out, man, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna find yourselves in a ball game. These two teams hate each other. These fan bases hate each other, Mike. I saw somebody the other day had an Auburn hat. I started talking to him for a little bit. You know, he didn't even want to really talk about the South Carolina game. He says, "All we he goes, I don't care. Long as he goes, we can lose every game long as we win next week. You know, that's that's the mentality that these fans have. That's the mentality these players are gonna have. All of it's out, man. All of it's on the table." Auburn has nothing to lose. Alabama is the only team that has anything to lose. I, 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 I think if they lose this game, yes, they get an SEC championship, but there's no way if they lose to Georgia that they make it to a national championship. You know what I'm saying? That's so right. nobody has anything to lose on that side of the ball with the Auburn Tigers. So I think that's the key, and and that's the deadly part. And hell, who knows? This may be Brian's last day, last game, man. You know what I'm saying? So there's no telling what he's going to put out there on the field. So. That's what I love about it, and uh, you can, uh, this is the Iron Bowl, Mike. This is when people say, what's the best rivalry? Some people throw out damn Michigan, Ohio State. Get that out of here. There's only one real rivalry, and that is the Iron Bowl, man. This is where families hate each I mean, there's some families that don't even talk to each other because of who they like playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hell, Brian Harson. we'll get to his comments here in just a second. Shane, he says, I was hired on December – 22nd 23rd whatever the hell it was and the very first Mm -hmm. question i got was about the iron bowl and we were 340 (laughs) something days from it now obviously they didn't you know tank bigsby he was really heating up against south carolina i think that's the biggest issue they didn't use him more but if auburn's going to pull off the upset i mean he is the perfect piece to do it continue that uh, ground and pound can I mean, give him the ball 30, 35, 40 times if you have to in this one. Mm-hmm. Just ground that clock out, take the air out of it, uh, limit the touches for Bryce Young and this terrific Alabama offense. Uh, but on the flip side, if you go back and you're watching Mississippi State light up Auburn secondary, you're watching mm-hmm. South Carolina have success on them. If I'm Alabama, I understand the confidence because you got Bryce Young, <laughs> you got the John Mechie. You got mm-hmm. uh, Williams, the receiver. I mean, they got to be licking their chops here, looking at uh, Auburn's defense. So I may have talked myself back into a blowout here. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll never, I'll never count this game as a blowout, Mike. I mean, I mean, think about it. how many times we walk away from this thing and say, "Damn, I can't believe Auburn won that thing." <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nick Saban knows who these guys are because if you look at the record book. The one that he's had the most tough time with is this team right here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not counting any of that out. This fan base, this place is going to be rock. It's going to be sold out. Uh, hell, it's it's rivalry week, man. I, I I absolutely love it, and we're we're going to find out real quick if it's going to be a blowout or not, Mike. What is it about Jordan Hare Stadium that makes it so difficult to play? And you guys have had some tough games. Uh, I think three of the last four times down there. Yeah, well, it's um, you know they've got great passion and enthusiasm, and it's like. Any place you play on the road, you know, if you don't play well, you don't execute. Um, you know, we've made, we've kind of been our own worst enemy. You know, when I think about the games that we've had, you know, down there, whether we turn the ball over, or pick sixes on the one yard line, kick six. I mean, there's been a lot of things that um, have contributed to, we've contributed to 
um, that has made it difficult. So I think the big thing is, is being positive about how you're going to execute and stay focused and not be distracted by all the external factors um, or the noise surrounding the game. But uh, when the game starts, be able to, you know, get in there and play one play at a time and do your job well. And, um, you know, that's that's the challenge. And that's what we we've got to be able to do. Do you have a favorite Iron Bowl game or, or memory from one of these games? <laughs> I, I guess my memory from last year's game when I was sitting at home watching on TV probably would be the most different memory uh, of any. Uh, but look, there's there's been some crazy things happen. Um, you know, the end of the game, the last time we played down there, we had a chance to get the ball back. They had the quarterback in the game. Uh, you know, the, I already mentioned the, you know, kick six. Um, you know, I mean, we had one year, we had like five chances to score inside the red zone you know, in the fourth quarter and never scored a point. And they came back and tied the game and, and, and we got beat. So, um, you know, then we've had some really, really good, you know, games that we played as well. Um, you seem to remember the, the ones that didn't go so well the most because they hurt the most, but, um, you know, I mean, what we're focused on is not what's happened in the past, but, you know, what we need to do to play well in this game uh, this week. Coach, this is your first Iron Bowl. Um, what's the primary message to the team this week in practice um, going into your first Iron Bowl? As far as the Iron Bowl goes, you know, I told the players this too. I'm excited to coach in this game. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to be at Auburn. Um, you know, go back before I was ever part of the uh, of this program, um, you know, the Iron Bowl has been a game that, that everybody's watched. Everybody knows Auburn, Alabama are playing. Um, if you have a chance and you can get on and watch the game, you know, if you're coaching, if it's a time that, you know, for us at Boise, we, we had the latest game, so you could always get a chance to watch these games. And, um, you know, it's one that, that everybody knows who's playing in it. And, you know, something that you sit there and, and you think how, you know, how cool that is you know, to have a chance for those guys to go out there and, and play in a, in a rivalry game like this. And now to be here, you know, I told our players, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to coach in the game. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things about being at Auburn that you get a chance to do. Uh, as far as the message goes, the message, the message is that we have to do things better um, than we did the week before. And that's, that's been the message, you know, each and every week. Um, and, you know, it's it's a matter of, you know, we can talk about it. Um, we got to go out there and do it. And and everybody that steps on that field and everybody that coaches in that game has a responsibility to this team to make sure that we're doing everything we can to the best of our ability to have ourselves ready to play. And then when we get out there and play, that we do those same things through an entire football game, through four quarters. And for us. You know, it still comes back to things that, that we can control, that, that we want to make sure um, we're a lot more effective with uh, in the games, and we put ourselves in better positions you know, as we go out there and prepare. So that goes back to our preparation. It goes back to, you know, in my opinion, and I think it's important for, for our staff and players that we have that attitude that we're trying to prove ourselves every single day. You know, and that's, that, should be, that should be the mentality 
of this. Yeah, Brian, I wanted to ask, since you've been here, uh, what you've sort of heard just from people in the community about the Iron Bowl and if you've gotten a, any best sort of pieces of advice about coaching in it. The best advice I've got about from the from people in the community uh, or other folks that have been a part of it. Uh, well, I'll say this. The first question I was asked after I did my press conference on Christmas Eve was about the Iron Bowl, which I think at that time was about 340 days away. Um, so here we are. You know, that's that's one of the things that uh, personally, you know, I look back on and um, after I finished everything I had to say, that was the first question I had. So that made it very clear how important this is. Uh, certainly, as far as our fans, um, people that are part of our program, um, you know, like I said, this is this game has been going on for a long time. Um, this game is one that, that everybody in the country knows is being played. And certainly when you have uh, your fans, your alumni, and people that have been a part of it, they're passionate about um, Auburn, Alabama. And so to me, that's the best part of this game is that you have that excitement and passion surrounding it. So, you know, you want to go out there and have yourself prepared and ready to play. You want to go out and, and, and play your best game. Um, you know, you want to have an opportunity to put yourself in a position to go have a chance to win. Um, and you do that by, by having yourself prepared. So, you know, I mean, all that excitement, everything building up, um, you know, as the season goes, because you know at the end, you look at the schedule and, and this game is on there for sure. Everybody's aware of, of the Iron Bowl at that point um, that's going to be played and this is the date. You know, and as you get closer to it, um, especially the week of, you know, that becomes the, the complete focus. And so all the things you heard leading up to it now, um, you know, that, that's part of this game. And at the same time, it's also, you know, we have a, a team right now that we're developing and, and growing and trying to improve each and every day. So that still is the main message of what we're trying to accomplish is the things that we have to do this season in order to go out there and, and play our best football um, and, and to play, you know, against a really tough team. So we're going to have to play tough. We're going to have to be disciplined. We're going to have to do things that uh, we've shown that we're capable of on a consistent basis. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it, you know, that all comes with it. And that's, that's going to be exciting on game day to be a part of that. And then we go out there and, you know, we get a chance to play. And hopefully that's the most exciting thing is, our opportunity to play and, and that, you know, we're trying to play the best we can. Now, how about this one, Shane, near and dear to your heart, Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Mm -hmm. We know the Commodores have not, have yet to win an SEC game. Didn't win one last year either. So, you know, this, yeah, we we keep, won't win one this week either. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we keep saying it, but this is Vanderbilt's uh, literally their last opportunity to win them an SEC uh -huh. game. And you got to imagine if there's any pride on that, locker room in that sideline they're gonna want to come out here and win it i mean this seems to be the game annually shane where vanderbilt punches above their weight and they do not uh you know get intimidated by the tennessee vols and you got to think of it this way too shane now i think it's a case of old miss overlooking vanderbilt but they mm -hmm. just faced an offense that's similar that's that's yeah. gonna go that tempo so you got to think they're somewhat adjusted to it. You know, they didn't handle it too well. I mean, they did force some turnovers here, but, you know, Vanderbilt at least got that going for them. Mike Wright 
seems to be uh, the answer there at quarterback. He, he has had a strong a couple good quarters back to back to back here. Now for Tennessee, you know, all the pressure's on you, but mm-hmm. they're just playing so damn well right now. I don't think that's going to burden them. And if they didn't overlook South Alabama, I don't think they're going to overlook final game of the season, senior day, and trying to get themselves to the to a bowl. And not only a bowl, Shane, but if you look across the SEC, there's just there's a lot of teams now that that are in that five, six, seven, eight win mark. And mm-hmm. I think the bowls, I don't know how much they factor in momentum and, and things of that nature, but if they do, the Tennessee Vols, if they win this game, you gotta think with their fan base and the momentum that the that Josh Heupel and company got rolling, Tennessee's gonna be a positioned very, very well for a bowl game. So a lot on the line for the Tennessee Vols in this one too. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you hit the nail on the head. A couple of things you said there. For starters, this is you know, they want to sell tickets when you're looking at these bowl games. They want a they want a program that travels well. They want a program that's viewed well and that's playing well and, and that's that ticks you know, Tennessee flips that bill. So mm-hmm. I, I think they're in a perfect spot to get a good bowl game. Now, obviously you you trip up on Vanderbilt and then then we're singing a different song, you know what I'm saying? So right. Vanderbilt, I, I think the the biggest thing that you said that made sense to me was uh, and it's actually something I was going to lead with, was the fact they played Ole Miss last week. Because they are a – a lot of times Tennessee catches people off guard right there in the first, second quarter. That's why they're always so successful on their first drive. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not – teams are struggling. I mean, you can watch it on film and you can try to game prep as much as you want, but it's tough to do. But the fact of the matter is Vanderbilt got a full dose of it last week. So when Tennessee comes out, they're going to be used to that tempo. And they're going to take film study and say, hey, how can we improve it? So that's one of the things that you, you can't get frustrated. You can't think that this is going to be a blowout. you got to make it a blowout. And that means don't get don't get too cocky. Don't get out there slinging stuff that you wouldn't sling in a different game. Get, you know, stay true to the running backs. Stay true to the running game. And, and, and the key, I really do believe, is this defense. Tennessee's defense, say what you want. They have had some very impressive games. And if they can create – chaos back there in the backfield with Vanderbilt. They have shown you if you make them one-dimensional, they cannot move the ball. So I think that's the key with Tennessee is as much as we want to talk about offense, it's just keeping their offense off the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very tough, Shane, to sit here with a straight face and, and say that this is going to be a competitive ball game. But I will say that, uh, you know, I've seen a lot – worst teams in the SEC just kind of give in. I mean, hell, I think we're seeing that with the Florida Gators to an extent. And we've, we've seen it with a number of teams in recent years. And these Commodores, Shane, even though their record is horrible and, you know, they get, they've they had a couple blowouts this year, they have not given up. They're still fighting. Yeah. And I think that's a credit to, you know, the future of that program. And they got to do it for one more week here. We'll see if they can get up for it. But – Hell, all of a sudden, yeah. if they do pull off the miracle, then I, I think the whole trajectory of that program and the offseason changes a little bit for uh, the Commodores. And, and I'll tell you, Mike, uh, I, I watched a cartoon the other day. You ever watch that Rudolph and uh, the, the Island of Misfits? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just stick together and they got to go. That's, that's Tennessee Volunteers, man. We had all them people, and they're going to put – I see it every single game. We talk about all the people that hit the transfer portal. Well, there's a lot of people on that roster that didn't, that stuck around. And you see that, man, when they were counted – everybody counted them out. Nobody nobody 
myself included, had a tough time predicting these guys to make it to a bowl game. But then you see these kids on the sideline about when they're up 28, 35 points, they're rolling the, the, the helmet and pretending like they're bowling pins. I mean, these kids are all in. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't see I don't see a lot of let down from this program. I think they're exceeding expectations and the coaching staff's doing a great job in keeping these boys pumped up and level headed. So that's why I think we're gonna see a blowout, Mike. I don't want to tip my hat, but just because this isn't the Tennessee teams we've seen in year past. And and you know, Vanderbilt, it's a scary program i know i'm trying to say man because you you can't overlook them because there have been years in years past that we've lost to them there's been years that we've got destroyed by them and there there was sometimes that when we were supposed to go out there and just smoke them that we're sitting there in the fourth quarter you know on the edge of our seat praying we beat vanderbilt so yeah that's as much as i, I i'm t- just told you two different things but i think tennessee's gonna be there ready to play but then there's the fan in me that knows this program <laughs> is like well let's just don't screw it up you know <laughs> Josh, after you got here, I know it's always hard to tell exactly what you've got until you can go play other teams. But was there a point any time this spring or this summer or camp when you really kind of looked at the team on film and looked at your staff and said, I think we have enough to be a pretty competitive team here? Because a lot of people didn't necessarily expect that to be the case. Yeah, for sure. I think outside expectations, outside noise is something that myself and our staff have tried to not pay attention to. And I think our players have bought into that as well. And uh, from the moment that uh, that I got here, I never placed a ceiling on, on what our football team uh, could do. Uh, you've heard me say it, that we are in a race against ourselves. Um, I'm so proud of the, the growth from the first day that I got here to, to who we are now. Um, certainly want some things to be better at the same time, too, as a coach. But um, the growth of, of individuals and collectively as a, as a team, uh, really special. And, and uh, you know, I, I do. I, I think we've laid a great foundation to, to what we're going to be in the future. Um, is there anything, I know you mentioned senior night, of course, this Saturday is going to be the last <laughs> regular season game on Rocky Top. Is there anything besides just having a, making sure all those guys have a great senior night, anything that you are setting out to prove this Saturday against Fandy? Yeah, it's for us uh, that we're going to finish uh, as a program. Uh, you heard me talking a little bit about that last week, but uh, this is the end of the regular season that we're going to finish it, um, that our, our preparations going to continue. Can, uh, be consistent, but continue to get better. Um, you know, uh, you're, you're constantly proving things to yourself. You know, and, and uh, uh, to me, that's uh, what we're we're trying to do this Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna start Mike this week. Um, just the right thing to do for for this week. I mean, um, there's gonna be carryover in the plan, and there's gonna be there were things that we felt like, you know, he was able to do last week that'll be helpful in this week's plan as well. But Ken's a warrior. I mean, Ken's uh, battled. Um, he's fought back from a surgery. He's been banged up and um, he'll be available. Um, but, um, you know, I just want to uh, just have such a respect for how he's fought through, um, you know, the, the physical strain of a long season and um, honor that. And, and um, glad he'll be with us and available. Mike will get the start this week. Um, yeah, the game means a lot. I mean, it's an emotional game. It's uh, it's one that means a lot to me personally. It means a lot to our team. And, um, you know, we've been proud of how our programs performed in this game in, in the recent past. But I think still there's an element of, of this year that that um, our focus is on us. This is about 
team one finishing the season um, on a high note. This is about us finding our highest level of performance. This is about us, you know, pouring into the relationships that we built. And it really kind of pulled us through here to the finish and um, and honoring those in the way we fight, and the way we play on the weekend. And so um, it's certainly a, you know, a game that we are excited about and one that we're always going to be excited for. But um, I think in year one, uh, there's a just a special attention to to us finishing the job for each other as team one and and really hoping to build to a crescendo here at the end. Now, how about this one, Shay? Florida State at Florida. We've got an interim coach. We got an interim defensive mm -hmm. coordinator, interim offensive line coach. So many interims there for the Gators. And how about this, Shane? News out of Gainesville. Apparently, Emory Jones has suffered an injury, and I do not think he's going to play here. And you know, as long as Anthony Richardson is is good to go, that may not be you know necessarily a you know a detriment. I mean, the the Gators may be fine in that regard, but. This is a guy that uh, has started almost every game of the, the season. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to play here. And mm -hmm. they, from what I understand, you know, I got to admit, I have not watched Florida State play, but uh, apparently they've won a couple games here. They've got some momentum. They're in the similar boat as the Florida Gators, Shane. They need this one to get to a bowl game. Otherwise, they're not going to make it. So a little bit of a – there's something at stake here for both of these programs it's just going to be so hard to predict how they're going to play with Dan Mullen no longer on the sidelines. But I don't know, what are you looking for from this one? And, and even all the drama and, and all the circumstances this week, it, it's hard to believe the Gators are just, after not getting to play the Seminoles last year, are, are just, you know, not, are, are not going to want to win this one in a big time way. Don't you think? Absolutely, man. I mean, the fact of the matter is, these it wasn't that lack of effort for Florida Gators. I think they're. I don't think that was ever their problem. But you know, there there was all these storylines and all these rumors, and for all this time, you know that your coach isn't bought in, your coach doesn't care, your coach is getting fired, blah blah blah. Well, he's gone. Now these boys are sitting there in the locker room, you know, and half the people that convinced them to be in that locker room aren't there. And I think it, you need somebody in there to step up and take control, not not a coach. Now, I mean, we don't need somebody to come in and tell these boys what to do. We need somebody inside that locker room to say, hey, man, everybody's counted us out. We're, we've been losing all these damn games. There's no reason we should. This locker room is loaded with talent. This locker room can easily go down there to, to, to Florida State and whoop their ass. That's, we, there's no question which team has the most talent coming into this game. It's just do they have enough fire? fire? Do they have enough, you know, just gusto just to get out there and, and make it happen? So I need somebody to step up. I need a senior. And it sucks your – Emory's gone. You know, I don't know if that was – I mean, what? How? let me ask you on this injury thing. Did they say what happened? I think he I mean, got. Listen, I think he got used, hurt in practice. Okay, because I was going to say I used to get hurt right before we had to do like sprints and stuff. You know, be like, oh damn, coach, my ankles. You know, for, everybody yeah, for me, me it was drinking uh, water. For me, it was running the mile. I was always sick or hurt. Was or it? Yeah, was that the day? <laughs> Is uh, so? What did you say about uh, Anthony Richardson? Is he, what's going on there? Well, I mean, he's he's gotten hurt dancing once before. Uh, you know, he's got – I mean, is he is he a go, though, this week? I mean, as far as I know, but who in the hell knows out there? Uh, I mean, remember, he he, he was the guy that uh, scrubbed everything off his timeline. I thought he had quit the team there for a minute, and 
He's liking all Lane Kiffin's tweets. I mean, I do not know what in the world is going on down there in Gainesville, but you know, I saw. I think you need it. If if they, I think Mike, if uh-huh. I'm sorry, if they were playing, no, I think it, <laughs> if they were playing anybody other than the Florida State Seminoles this this weekend, I would be majorly, majorly concerned about them getting up for this game. But because it is FSU, you know, even all yeah. these distractions, I I still think they got to be locked in this week. Absolutely, man, and, and you know. Strickland and them, yeah, there's they're still pumping up these boys. They're they're still yeah. this there's still coaches there, Mike. And and there's still somebody I mean, these guys need jobs after this game. So how do you do that? You come out here with an excellent game plan and you beat your rivalry. So I think that's what happens here. Um I I'm not I believe it or not, out of every Florida game that I've seen this year, this is the one I'm not worried about, Mike, because I think it gets done. I think they come out, I think they beat Florida State, and I don't want to tip my hat, but I already did. I'm just I don't I don't like this team. I've never yeah. liked the Seminoles, man. <laughs> and I, and they're on a down that well, I want to keep them out of a ball, Mike. I want to keep that record going. So that's what I want to see. I want to see Florida Gators come out here pumped up. And I want to see them give the ball to – just, okay, quarterback controversy's out. Emory's hurt. All right. Give the ball to Anthony Richardson and let him play. So, at the end of this thing, we can sit back and say, you know what, he should have been playing the whole damn year. You know? <laughs> because that's what I think happens at the end of this one. All right, Shane, final game I wanted to ask you about. I know we got a run here, but uh, Clemson at South Carolina, Shane – Tigers are the, obviously the favorite, given the, you know all their five stars and all this, and they're the greatest team the ACC's ever assembled. I I think they're like seven seven and four on the year, but uh, Clemson's won six in a row. And the main thing I wanted to ask you, Shane, because I'm starting to see Coach of the Year for Shane Beamer. I'm not buying that hype just yet, but if he turns around and he manages to snap this six game winning streak and gets the Gamecocks on a, you know, three of the last four, winning three of the last four, two in a row, heading into the bowl game. I think we got to put mm-hmm. him in up to consideration for coach of the year. And, we, you know, you've been saying it for months. I think this may be uh, the beginning of the end of that Clemson program with, with them Gamecocks rising. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily say, it, you know, it all comes down to this game, but this kind of expedites all that in my mind. It does. It's it's on every highlight reel moving forward, Mike. It's all people are talking about all summer. Dabo's lost it. Don't be surprised if some of his staff doesn't jump ship. That's just the next step to the demise of the Clemson Tigers. The first step is beating them. And I think that South Carolina has an excellent opportunity to do so. you got to think, man, these boys have been told for the last three, four years that they can't beat teams like Florida. They can't beat teams like Auburn. Well, guess mm-hmm. what, Mike? They did. And now they can go out and they can beat that Clemson Tigers because they're they're human. They've lost a lot of games this year. They're playing terrible, and we have an opportunity to do so. So I think Clemson on a downward year probably you know kind of worth, kind of similar to what we're talking about some of these letdown teams. Yep. I think Clemson's in a letdown field. You know what I'm saying? They, they they're not playing for a playoff. They're not playing for any of that. They're playing for next year. South Carolina has an opportunity to tee this thing up and get a victory. So that's what South Carolina needs to do. You, hey, I'll tell you, Mike, if they come out and they beat Clemson, I, I would make a case for Beamer being coach of the year. But until then, I mean, he's in a pool of many. Yeah, and we'll give him all the credit in the world, but who is it that you gave credit to last week, Shane, and, and who deserves 
a lion's share of the credit of what's going down there in the Columbia is these fans. These fans continue to show mm-hmm. up, continue to support the team. I think they're trending towards a sellout here, which is incredible. You know, the, the, usually it's how many Clemson fans are going to show up in, in this game. Right. But they're turning the tide, and you, you think back to Auburn, you think back to Florida. I mean, these fans have been a difference in the ball game, and – I hope they are this weekend, too. We snap this streak and, and send Dabo oh, yeah. and company back home crying. You know what? Absolutely. I love I can't wait to see him crying on the sideline, Mike. Just about every <laughs> penalty that didn't go his way, you know? <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> well, buddy, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I do appreciate you hopping on. As always, you got anything else before we hop off the line? Uh, yeah, real quick. We're, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. I think we're going to get together a little bit tomorrow, right? And talk a little bit about this egg bowl. Yeah. So uh, we'll have that coming out and we'll make our picks for the weekend and, and put that out. We'll probably have that out. That'll probably drop Thursday. So Thanksgiving, okay. uh, right. you know, people and it, maybe on their trips back for Friday. If you, if you can't listen on Thursday, whenever it is, you listen to the pod on, on this holiday week here. Uh, but we got you covered at least by Thursday morning, Friday, Saturday, whenever you mm-hmm. listen, the uh, the weekend picks pod will be up there for you. That's right, man. Be like, a, you know, that last thing I do, Mike, before I go do any, like when my plate's about empty, I always get one of them rolls, man, and I just soak it all up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just clean that bad boy, and that's what I'm going to do this week. This is apex football, man. This is rivalries. This is hated teams. This is we're going to have fights <laughs> halftime. We're going to have fights on the sideline. We're going to walk away from this thing yelling at each other and probably not talking to the opposing fan base for another year. That's what this weekend's all about, plus family, plus Thanksgiving. I mean, golly, Mike, soak it all up. Be be like that yeast roll and soak it all in because that's what I'm going to do, man. So I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to any news that comes out, man. I love – I don't get me wrong, the rumor mills, Mike – my cup of tea, Mike. I'm always texting Mike. You guys don't know, but every morning I'm texting Mike. Hey, who's coming down there at LSU? Have you heard anything about Florida? <laughs> I mean, I'm fanboy, man. I want to figure out where these guys are going. Yeah, who knows? By uh, by the time we hook up next, we may have a coach down there at Florida and LSU. and <laughs> who, We may have some new openings all across the SEC. So that's it. this is just that time of the year. You know what? Absolutely, man. Well, that's all I got, brother. All right. Well, I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out and hanging out. And if you made it this far, don't forget, give us that five-star written review. But I do appreciate it, and we'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.